Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Gatchpole, reporter with News Data's Clearing Up, joined by my co-host and editor of News Data's California Energy Markets, Jason Fordney. We're here with some of our top stories. Jason, what do you have for us this week? Good morning, Dan. Uh, I'll, today I'll be talking about the California Energy Commission recently approved new load management standards and hourly rate information. This was a three-year process uh, that just culminated. I'll also be talking about my column, which was entitled Curious Opposition to Proposition 30, Who Should Pay for EVs and Wildfire Prevention? So we'll be digging into the Prop 30 topic a little bit. And finally, a California independent system operator urging the California Public Utilities Commission to procure more energy, um, sort of aimed at EV integration. So that's what's happening in California. What's going on in the Northwest? Well, in the Northwest, we've got a report that the Northwest fell short of its six-year target on energy efficiency. An update on what BPA is doing with the $500 million it over-collected in revenue. And a new FERC projection, a new projection from FERC, about a, the massive amount of solar power that the, it expects to be built out in the next three years. So how about you start us off with that load management story? For sure. Uh, California Energy Commission at its October 12th meeting approved these new standards. They're designed to give uh, consumers more information about their electricity usage and potential costs. Also designed to uh, bolster grid reliability could ultimately provide $243 million in net benefits across 15 years, according to the CEC, and the potential to reduce annual peak hour electricity use by 120 gigawatt hours. Central to the system is a new uh, computer software. It's called the Market Informed Demand Automation Server, or MIDAS, which will uh, provide hourly um, rate information that can be that can be downloaded by third-party developers, uh, freely obtained for that variable rates. Um, development of the standards started in 2019. They apply to the state's three investor-owned utilities, its largest publicly-owned utilities, Los Angeles Department of Water Power and SMUD. Um, those that deliver more than 700 gigawatt hours of energy each year to uh, customers, 75% of all electricity uh, sold in the state. So four amendments were ultimately approved, cover the rate database, automation services, hourly rates, customer education, some excitement about this from the CEC. Um, so yeah, uh, looking for some more transparency for energy usage. Uh, Commissioner pa Patty Monahan said, this the passage of these rules is a, quote, dream come true in this nerdy world of energy, unquote, which I'm pretty sure includes us, don't you think, Dan? I definitely think it does. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you can find out more at uh, newsstater.com. That was our lead story this week. And back yeah. to you for Northwest. Fascinating story. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Sure. Well, despite a strong start, the Northwest fell short of its six-year target of adding 1,400 average megawatts of energy efficiency, according to the Northwest Power and Conservation Council. 
The council set the target in its seventh power plan, which it adopted in 2016. The region came close to hitting its target. It added 1,305 average megawatts, about 93% of the goal between 2016 and 2021. The Northwest was ahead of pace as recently as 2019, but it fell far behind over the last two years due to decreased spending by utilities and the Bonneville Power Administration on efficiency investments. Those budget reductions were planned well before the COVID-19 pandemic hit, and Northwest Power and Conservation Council analysts uh, raised concerns about the budget trends as early as 2018, saying we might not hit the target, and they turned out to be right. The pandemic, though, also contributed to the decline, according to council staff in a presentation to the council recently. I see. Well, um, it looks like some of those predictions came true. Yeah, uh, and they, they're uh, recommending the next the latest power plan, the 2021 power plan. Uh, it uh, significantly reduced the amount of energy efficiency that is being recommended to be built out in the Northwest, driven mostly mm-hmm. by just falling costs of clean energy resources. It is just no energy efficiency is no longer the default uh, low least cost resource in the Northwest. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I was sort of wondering why, but uh, you explained it there very well. So good coverage there from clearing up back in California, my bottom lines column, I tackled proposition 30 and curious opposition to this proposition. So, Proposition 30, which will be put to voters on November 8th, would tax those earning more than $2 million for zero emission vehicle incentives, charging stations, and wildfire prevention uh, would raise up to $5 billion per year beginning in 2023. So California, as we know, very enthusiastic about ZEVs, as we call them, zero emission vehicles, But this time, Governor Gavin Newsom is opposing Proposition 30. He appeared in a television ad against it, saying it's a uh, money grab by ride-sharing company Lyft, who's put $45 million behind Proposition 30. The theory is that Lyft is, uh, you know, they have a EV requirement and that they think that, uh, or Governor Newsom thinks that the company is just trying to put that money to the taxpayers. What I pointed out in my column, you know, typically wildfire prevention and ZEV programs are funded by everyday taxpayers. Um, For instance, the California, the 2022 budget, which Governor Newsom signed, allocates 6.1 billion over five years for for ZEVs. Um, and about 3.5 billion of this was allocated in the last week of the budget session. Um, and then we have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of federal money coming in for, for ZEV uh, implementation. And if you look at some of the big people opposing Proposition 30, and I don't want to suggest anything here, but they are some of Governor Newsom's biggest funders. Uh, for against his recall campaign. So I did find that interesting. Of course, the governor has uh, signed an executive order putting uh, California 100% ZEVs by 2035. But in this case, uh, he doesn't like this one. And, you know, I also point out that 
many, many companies benefit from uh, state tax-funded programs. Volvo North America recently got $2 million from the CEC. And of course, many uh, clean energy companies benefit from programs like this. So yeah, interesting situation. We'll see what happens November 8th. Uh, some uh, E3 study came out saying uh, there would be 1.6 times more chargers outside of disadvantaged communities and three times more chargers in disadvantaged communities with Proposition 30 if it passes. That would go from, uh, yeah, that would take us to about 16 million chargers. So you would be seeing quite an increase in charging infrastructure and ZEVs under this ballot measure. But uh, getting some high-level opposition to that. So yeah, interesting situation. Proposition 30 will be decided next month. And it will be uh, interesting to see the outcome. Yeah, you know, Californians are all about clean energy, all about electric vehicles. I don't know how many people are aware of this opposition. Um, and there's some other people opposing it too. But yeah, we'll see what happens. And again, I don't take a position on Prop 30. This is just my observation of the debate that's happening. We're looking forward to follow-up coverage from California Energy Markets. All right. Well, back in the Northwest, BPA is returning $350 million of surplus revenue to customers to keep public power costs down. The federal power market are overcollected its revenue by about $500 million, primarily during uh, the last fiscal year, fiscal year 2022 in part due largely to strong excess power sales. Bonneville also plans to use $100 million of that excess revenue to pay down debt, and the remaining $50 million will go to non-recurring maintenance costs for existing fish and wildlife mitigation programs. The plan is part of a settlement with public power entities, and it, uh, the settlement calls for holding the preferred power rate at no greater than $35.64 per megawatt hour while keeping short-term and load growth tier two rates at $63.83 per megawatt hour in fiscal year 2024 and going down to $60.25 per megawatt hour in fiscal year 2025. Now for people who aren't BPA aficionados, the preferred power rate is the rate that uh, its primary customers, public power customers get. And the tier two rates is what's sold beyond that, uh, either excess or additional needs that the public power entities sign up for, or uh, to other entities such as investor-owned utilities and other uh, customers. That's why the, set, the tier two rates are higher because BPA's mission is to provide reliable cheap public power a laudable goal and wow flush with money we're talking uh, yeah. three, 350 yeah. mil, three, 350 million <laughs> nice position for bpa to be in yes it's a nice change from a lot of the fiscal stories about bpa over the past 10 years they've come through a really rough patch in finances uh, but they have really gotten themselves into a better position there's also been some changes in the market that have uh, benefited them but uh, just like changes in the market, you know, caught them, put them in a tough position with uh, the like cheap natural gas really affected their revenue projections, among other things. But uh, they're in a much healthier position, still have work to go. Awesome. Well, some good news there. Yeah. 
Back to California. California's grid operator says the state needs to procure more power in coming years, partly to accommodate electric vehicles. California independent system operator told state regulators they should act to procure more energy for 2026 to 2030. This is a filing to the California Public Utilities Commission. Uh, CPUC was taking comment on a staff paper on the commission's procurement program and near-term actions to encourage additional procurement. We've seen the PUC, uh, obviously, they ordered up 11.5 gigawatts. Um, so been a massive rush, procurement rush for obvious reasons. Um, Kaiso joins the CPU's public advocates office. However, two community choice aggregators, which would be MCE and San Jose Clean Energy, they pointed to recent legislative procurement, the Strategic Reliability Reserve. Uh, they may also made a filing to the CPUC saying uh, the status of baseline resources will not create such a significant system reliability risk that necessi necessitates an emergency procurement order. Um, and they talk about the new uh, Department of Water Resources Strategic Reliability Reserve, extension of Diablo Canyon. Um, but Kaiso said the Strategic Reserve does not replace normal planning processes, which is actually a really good point, and that the Diablo Canyon legislation has a provision that the capacity cannot be used for integrated resource planning. There's also the issue of Kaiso's interconnection queues, which are pretty clogged with interconnection requests. Kaiso says that forward procurement occurring well ahead of the need would help reduce these bottlenecks. Um, and then one interesting point, Kaiso said the CPUC has not yet added into its demand projections the forecast increased demand from electric vehicles developed by the California Energy Commission. That, of course, predicts higher load, significant higher load beginning in 2028 from electric vehicles. So, yep, that was our uh, story in Friday's issue. Read more at newsdata.com. And uh, yeah, Kaiso is the one that runs the grid. Um, so they have a pretty big um, voice here in this this debate, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, it'll also be interesting to see if that Proposition 30 passes, how that'll affect projections for EV adoption. Yeah. I'm sure it'll go up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're talking uh, millions and millions of extra chargers if that does <clears throat> pass, at least in theory. Yeah. But yeah. EV load is becoming a big topic, you know, also access for people that live in apartment buildings. Um, but man, just hundreds of millions of dollars coming into EV chargers in California. And uh, we should say, you know, a, a ZEV is not necessarily electric vehicle too. You also have hydrogen and other technologies. Right. Although the vast majority of them for now are EVs. Yeah. Well, last story I've got is a story out of Washington, D.C., actually. So FERC expects that solar energy will make up nearly 62% of new generation capacity coming online in the next three years, according to an October 5th energy infrastructure update issued by the agency. FERC analysts identified 750 solar projects with a high probability of being built Together, those projects would add about 67 gigawatts of nameplate capacity. 
Natural gas, though, is the next largest resource in the report. FERC analysts project 109 highly probable new projects with a combined capacity of nearly 21 gigawatts. That's about 19% of the total projected new resources uh, capacity that they see being built out by 2025. Wind rounded out the top three resources with more than 17 gigawatts of expected capacity or 16% of the total capacity to be built, again, high, that they consider highly probable to be developed and coming online by the end of 2025. While the new natural gas-fired plants are coming online, FERC analysts also expect 135 natural gas-fired facilities with nearly 18 gigawatts of capacity to be retired during that same period. So the net total would be th- about, you know, three gigawatts of new natural gas fired capacity, uh, give or take a few hundred megawatts. However, with passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, many clean energy advocates and experts expect that the numbers of sol- for solar and wind actually will turn out to be underestimations. Uh, the estimate put together by FERC here was done before the Inflation Reduction Act was signed into law in August. Oh, interesting numbers. Gas still up there. Of course, not in California, but uh, it'd be interesting to see the locations of those new plants. And uh, yeah, of course, we always have to think about transmission. Without more transmission, all this new generation is going to be have trouble reaching the places it needs to be. Indeed. Well... That's all from me, Dan Catchpole. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Energy West is edited and produced by our colleagues at Pioneer Utility Resources and Lucky Sound Studios. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at dcatchpole. And Clearing Up is on Twitter at CU News Data. And I'm on Twitter at Fordney Energy. Uh, you can read more of our content at newsdata.com. You get three free reads a month. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. You've been listening to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow.